episode number 10 with Jordan Roy Byrne. I think you might have found one. Yeah, I did. I did. It's very yeah. elusive, but I did. I was able to at least get one. Yeah. <laughs> National Geographic's worthy. Yeah. It's kind of like a Bigfoot, you know, you, you know, what's out there. Yeah. It's there. <laughs> you don't know till you go. Yeah. So yeah, man, I'm just out here chilling with the Arepas. Nice. Nice. Good. Yeah. If anybody doesn't know what that is, it's, it's basically like a kind of a corn tortilla, but smaller and thicker and kind of moist. <laughs> it's uh, the Colombia. Okay. Every country has their version of the hot pocket, right? Right. Exactly. Okay. It's the yeah. Colombian version of the hot pocket. Yeah. Right. You can uh, make a sandwich out of it, put cheese in it. You can, you know, it's, it's yeah. Very Mexico's versatile. got the, uh, what do they call it? Like a torta, you know, torta, like yeah. A, soapy. Uh, they got yeah. soapies and tort, you know, Soap, corn tortillas. Yeah. Board. yeah. So, yes. Um, yeah. Let's see. Same what's, but different. Uh, what's the one that does pupusas? Is that El Salvador? Oh, yeah, it's probably like Guatemala or El Salvador. I don't I know. Think I think it's El Salvador. I've literally been there and I can't remember the country. I think I think it was El Salvador. You've just been to too many places, Steve. That's the problem. That's a first world problem, Dan. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I've been to so many places I stopped taking pictures. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, I feel like we're uh, hiding the lead here. Uh, oh, yes. uh, Jordan Roy Byrne. Um, yeah. I uh, found him, I believe, on Twitter and then started reading his articles, listening to his podcast, and I was like, Wow, this guy knows a lot about gold. And, yes. um, you know, we yeah. just talked uh, last week about the Roth IRA and a billionaire hedge fund manager recommended that 7.5% of your Roth portfolio is in gold. This kind of goes along with the show. I've been kind of fascinated by it, you know, um, getting yeah. uh, some gold uh, coins and um, I might be into getting some silver too. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. There's ETF stocks, ETF stocks as well. So, you know, after, uh, after, you know, reading Gordon's uh, material, um, I just realized uh, how much I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you can get it in ETF stocks. You can get it. You can invest in uh, small mining companies, which we talked about before yeah. from James Rickard's books. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, finding a mining company. Well, that's kind of what Jordan does. <laughs> so yeah, he, I was like, wow. That, that's, that seems to be his bag. So yeah. 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 To, so to the universe just to drops uh, yeah. uh, stuff in front of you that uh, are we manifest nuggets, Jordan. pardon yeah. the pun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm really excited about this interview. It, uh, yeah. Uh, super stoked. It, um, yeah. But um, so how's uh, everything down in the book? Did you guys move or go on a little vacation or something no we're about to go i'm going to be heading out to uh cartagena so we're we're, uh, yeah so i'm just trying to get uh, my girl to get covid so uh well quote unquote leave for her work so we can get out of here (laughs) yeah 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 get get her that little check mark on the she was exposed to the vid and then it's a two-week uh exactly uh, okay nice nice i'll be down down in the uh caribbean beaches there for for a bit and hanging out so yeah i don't know you have a place yet in uh, cartagena uh yeah looking at a couple places right now but there's such there's so so much available so it's like it's just just not a whole lot of people you know what i mean comparatively speaking to like usual so there's you know it's kind of pretty pretty much get whatever you want you know what are you getting are you gonna get like an apartment or um, yeah, I'm thinking just like Airbnb on the beach or, you know, it, it's, it's all very, Cartagena is very reasonably priced um, yeah. as far as like, you know, Airbnbs, hotels. So it's, it's kind of a free for all. Everything's available right now. So it's pretty easy. It's just kind of like, you know, book it and set it, you know. I, um, I was there with Joe and Juliana um, 
maybe four years ago. Five, no, it's been longer than that. It's been uh, probably six or eight years ago. And um, it was a lot of fun. We rented a little penthouse up on the top uh, apartment. And uh, yeah. it was like, you know, 80 bucks a night or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, yeah, we're right on the ways. beach. Uh, yeah. it, uh, they've got, um, let's, let me see, Cartagena is the one with the, uh, with the big uh, castle, right? Yeah. Port, okay. It's a port, port city, you know, old Spanish stuff. Yeah, there, uh, there's a neat little um, uh, castle there with apparently some badass. They got a statue of him in bronze or something up on top. And he's got like one arm and one leg and one yeah. eye. <laughs> and he's holding a sword and like he defended this place. And it's a neat story that, that yeah. you know, is worth the uh, afternoon. Is, uh, cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Just out here, you know, fixing up the grill. We got it all uh, patched up. Oh, yes. Up, so no, how's, no the, uh, how's the uh, dientes? You know? <laughs> yeah, the dientes. Yeah, yeah. It's all good, man. Yeah, if anybody needs any uh, grill, any grill fixing, you know, Columbia is actually, actually, I mean, I have a fantastic dentist down here. So, I even, um, our friend uh, Lot, mm-hmm. he came down during this time and he fixed up his completely fixed his whole grill up for literally like pennies on the dollar. So, uh, yeah, it was great. Got some great dental down here. If anybody needs anything, just hit us up. I can, we can set you up pretty easy. Even medical translator, if you need, not a big deal. Easy. Yeah. But, if um, you need yeah, some yeah, serious really dental work. work, don't do it in the U S unless you have just amazing insurance. Cause down there, it's yeah. just so. Well, just to give an example, I probably, probably 15 grand worth of work for about a grand. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can really, I mean, obviously you got to go to a good person and da, da, da. So, um, but I'm pretty comfortable, uh, you know, uh, giving a shout out about, you know, who I've been to and everything. So if anybody wants any information on that, no problem, hit us up. You got to fix your teeth up, but it's stuff gets expensive, man. <laughs> you know, yeah. Ruben yeah. has a couple grand, you know, at least. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pro tip, pro tip. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pro tip. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, everything's good down here. Just just hanging out in the book. Uh, just went out to the countryside, you know, hanging out with the horses, eating some arepas. Yeah, we're, we're all good, man. We're just chilling. Mm-hmm. No, no, uh, no children's on iPads and, uh, you know, they're no ice sitters. Huh? Yeah, there's no ice sitters out here. You know, who, who are the Kardashians? You know, it's kind of nice. <laughs> right on. And you were telling me that uh, Aunt Jemima is uh, alive and thriving. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Aunt Jemima down here is just just for all you cancel culture peeps out there. I just want you to know that Aunt Jemima is doing very well down here. Okay. Uh, she just got some new commercials, so she's kicking it real well. <laughs> right on, right on. In yeah. the states, what would they change that to Pearl? <laughs> <laughs> something ridiculous. I, I heard know, something I... stupid yesterday from the fireman. I, I don't really watch the news unless it has to do with like uh, stocks, uh, but. Uh, they were telling me that uh, Dr. Seuss is uh, is now deemed oh, a racist. Yeah. Is that yeah. is that accurate? Yeah, Pepe Le Pew as well. He's a Pepe. It's Pepe Le Pew. Pepe he's Le Pew. Yeah, Pepe Le Pew's the he's a he's a rapist. He's, oh, he's a rapist he's now. Yeah, he's a okay. rapist. Oh, so now it's yeah, right. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know either. That this is news growing to me. up that he was actually like you know that that he was raping people, I guess, or wanted to, or I I don't know what it is, man. I, huh. I just I can't get with the program, but well, that um, stinks. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> don't watch Pepe Le Pew. But hey, you know, like your video games are doing great. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what says that man? Hey, good on you. <laughs> uh, yeah, this whole time, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish was just yeah. Jeez, uh, yeah. Racist yeah, asshole. Yeah, and well, you know, it's funny down here. It's like 
Latin America, right? You know, what do we, what do, we do? It's like someone, someone's fat. They're like, hey, Gordito. And it's like, and they'll smile at you. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's enduring. You know, what, what were we saying? We should just, we should just start calling people by food ingredients. <laughs> yeah. Down there uh, for um, uh, black people, they say negritos. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's just what, yeah. Uh, they call they call us gringos. Yeah, I'll like, well, and it's hey, not like, uh, uh, yeah, hey, whitey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, whitey, what's up? You know, gordito, like, hey. gordita, or blank, or blanky, or bl- if someone's white, they call them blanquito. <laughs> blanquito. Yeah, like, hey, you know, and it's like I'll, they'll smile at you. You know, call somebody whitey or blacky. You know, I'm I'm just wanting somebody to call me like uh, Canela. Canela. Cinnamon <laughs> <laughs> in Spanish. Hey, Canela. Hey, what's up? <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> Come here, <Wonder> Camilla. <laughs> yeah, dude, start calling you, uh, yeah, Weber Bread. <laughs> Weber. <laughs> Wonder Bread. <laughs> Yo, Wonder. <laughs> yes, I know. I think we put too much emphasis on uh, everything has to do with race in America, I guess, oh, right? I think like, so, too. It's just getting yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's just uh... getting crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of like it here where they just, you know, we just call, call everybody calls each other by, like, ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> it that way uh, choco <laughs> yeah you know what traveling does is things like that and it just shows you that um you know to be a lot more appreciative for what you got you know yeah, and especially absolutely. if you're in the u.s which most of our listeners are first world countries that like you know when you see a family of five on a little vespa yeah you're like well, i don't wow. even know if it's a vespa it's more like a like a like a like a what is it like a 50 50 cc motorbike yeah exactly i mean it's you know a couple steps up from a lawnmower yeah yeah uh, yeah Yeah. i'll never forget i was in thailand and and bangkok and i saw a dad uh the mom and a little boy standing in front of the dad like holding onto the handlebars uh then sister was riding behind mom uh and then mom was holding a baby (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah yeah wow. that's here too oh yeah i got that that's all that you got that here in spades man you know what i mean you're okay, like yeah, wow yeah. like i'm looking over and i'm like you're really holding a baby on a motorcycle yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that's like an everyday thing man i'm like you don't yeah people don't know what poor is man i'm telling no, you man, go, I remember, go to the ukraine uh, during winter time you know then you'll see you know <laughs> i remember after my first trip to thailand and seeing that uh i went on a call in uh in oxnard as a as a fireman this was probably 10 years ago and uh it was a woman from thailand uh who was holding her baby while she was driving a car and my (laughs) captain at the time was so pissed and i'm like he doesn't have the perspective (laughs) yeah you're like hey that's normal like dude don't don't just chill we just got to explain this shit to her yeah we just got to explain it to her like you know you're in in america now we need to go down and buy you don't have a dirt floor more it's yeah. all good yeah. you've graduated from a motorbike yeah. to a to i mean a, we don't have government cheese anymore but hey yeah there's probably a program out there where you can get a car seat for free yeah hey, man, I, i'm a product of government cheese hell yeah those big old blocks yeah well it's more like a brick right i yeah. just smuggle drugs in it or something i don't know how that you get away like who who, is, who was making that shit anyways right like government cheese dude it wasn't like, dude. good it wasn't yeah good. it wasn't good it's a yeah it's a you have to mix it with some stuff right yeah <laughs> We've come a long way, dude. Like when yeah. you look back at uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we have. Yeah, yeah, government cheese and purple drink. Yep. Hell <laughs> no, yeah, my knees. You don't yeah. need to say the drink. The, the drink is a yeah, black. Perp. The yeah, perp. purple. <laughs> Just say purple, red, <laughs> orange. Loving it. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so everything's cool out here. Um, you know, the one thing out here that I actually really like is when I step into an alley 
elevator. There's no awkward elevator moments here. Mm. You yeah. know what? There's something to that. You're right. Yeah. 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 Like you get into an elevator here. Everybody's like, hello. How are you? And that's it. And you get off the elevator and like, see you soon. That's it. It's not awkward. <laughs> yes. In America, it's like as soon as the door closes, it's just silent. Yeah. It's like, you oh know? my God. It's like sweating. Oh my God. Yeah, do, yeah. do they eat too much Everyone's spicy food? looking at their feet. You know? Yeah. There's uh, people, some of the elevators that are kind of shiny. You know, you can catch someone else's eye for a fraction of a second, but yeah, as soon as you do, it's just to look away as if it, yeah, you know, it didn't yeah. happen. It's, it's yeah. yeah, elevators are like awkward in America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're right. In uh, in Colombia, they're they're not. No, uh, uh-uh, not at all. It's it's and it's very like mandatory. Like you know, you just say hi. You know, it's yeah. not like Trader Joe's and asking me what the hell you're gonna do with my goddamn day. Yeah, but just say hello. <laughs> And goodbye. <laughs> and goodbye. <laughs> it's very pleasant. <laughs> yes. Yes. Cool. Well, I'm excited about um, uh, Jordan. He, um, uh, this is going to be neat. I'm curious about uh, uh, the um, bars, coins, uh, and then like, you know, I want to kind of delve into a little bit about um, uh, him uh, finding the mining companies. Because he gives out a yeah. general outline in his book. Uh, which we'll yeah. put a link to in the, uh, in the we'll show. We'll see if he notes. talks about some of the uh, the junior mining companies as opposed to the uh, seniors and uh, not being confused with junior mining companies and exploration companies as well. So, uh, yeah, he should have some pretty interesting information for a lot of people, I think, even obviously us as well. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about these things is it's like they're they're more risky, but your upside is a lot higher. You know? Well, I think he has a really good common sense approach um, from everything that I was reading, which which is really along the lines of, you know, like, you know, just only a couple percent of your bankroll with a certain amount of the actual, you know, junior mining companies or, you know, it's just another play, you know, it's just another, you know, piece of the portfolio. So it's, you know, it's, it's another alternative, but I think it's actually, you know, from everything that, you know, I've been reading, reading his um, book, um, I think it's a great way, uh, you know, just something to make a part of your portfolio. Um, it's, you know, I think it's almost uh, invaluable. I think so too. I think this yeah. is a great, after, like, 20, after, 10 to 20 yeah. year bet, you know. Yeah. You got to accept it's, it's tied up, you know, and yeah. you got to ride it out. Uh, but yeah. if the patterns that he's put together and what Daniel and I learned from Randall, like, this is like it makes a swing sense. trade on a decade or more of time. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, it could just, be five years. I mean, it could be six. It could, but, you know, it could be 10. Year, year. It could be 20, yeah. you know, but uh, like, I think most of the people that are listening to this will be around 20 years from now. And like, if you don't yeah. make this bet, this is the same thing as when I bet 450 bucks, uh, you know, uh, nine years ago on Bitcoin and got one of them. You yeah. Know, it's the same like thing. I don't think that it's going to be that, uh, uh, you know, uh, right. But you're looking sky, at like, but that's the kind of pattern that you're looking at. I believe you're looking at it, you know, and just even, I'm sure he's going to have a lot more information on this, obviously, but, it, it sounds like the valuations, we're at a point in time where value, valuations on precious metals, um, especially gold, is uh, really good right now. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like supply is limited. Free, free money. What's that? Supply is limited. Uh, there's right. a lot of mining companies that have, it's only been putting out like 3,000 tons a year, uh, right. you know, for years. And right. increasing that production takes time. And, um, you know, limited supply equals uh, <laughs> increased maybe prices. Can, maybe we can make Jordan our resident gold guy. Ooh. 
Yeah. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Resident gold guy, Jordan. Yes. I like it. So yes. we'll have to see what's up. Right on. Cool. Well, let's uh, take a quick break and then we'll bring in uh, Jordan. Hey, what's up, Jordan? How you doing, brother? I'm good. How are you guys? Awesome, man. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, excited to have you. My pleasure. Yes. Um, so um, I, we kind of like to start with the, all our guests, you know, um, uh, if you could just kind of give us a, uh, tell us your story, you know, um, maybe in a couple of minutes, you know, from when you started as a kid until, um, you know, the success that you've seen today, uh, as far as gold, like when did you first come in contact and become interested in precious metals and like that? Sure. Uh, I started following stocks and I was pretty young in the late nineties and obviously didn't know anything. I got into the tech bubble like early enough that I still made money. The problem was where I lost money was I was buying things on the way down, like thinking these were great buys. And then when that didn't work, I realized that there had to be another way to really understand the markets and, and explain the price action. And so at that point I started learning about technical analysis and then I had a few people who told me about gold and I was still kind of a, like a tech stock bull. And so this was probably like 2001. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, at that point I obviously didn't know anything and I still was averse to gold. However, like a couple years later, I, I probably want to say 2003, I finally understood like, okay, there's going to be a commodity bull market. And uh, I started investing in energy because it was easier to understand. I mean, the companies make money, but I knew yeah. I wanted to go into gold at some point. And so I kind of got lucky. I went in like right before 2005 when it made that huge move. So Nice bet. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. yeah very mean, good bet. You, yeah. You get, you get lucky sometimes and I so, can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, and basically that's kind of uh, what I've invested in ever since. And I, when I started investing in gold and silver, I was investing in just the producers, like the smaller production companies. And I was just looking for small companies that were incre increasing their production were these like juniors, uh, Jordan? Like junior, yeah, junior, yeah, they, junior minor, yeah. I read your yeah. book, so yeah. Yeah, we read your book. Yeah, we. Yeah, I actually, I just wanted to uh, mention real quick, Jordan. Uh, I was like, oh my god, I gotta, I gotta, I actually gotta read. It's not an audible. <laughs> yeah, and he's coming on in like thirty six hours. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, actually, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry because I am going to do it like a little bit of an update to the book, but I'm going to put it all on YouTube. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. You, you, so, so people actually won't have to read. Yeah, okay. well, I, I was going to ask how. you if you could do an <laughs> audible. You should sell an audible version of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, do you, I mean, do you think it's current enough? Because like the first one I oh, wrote yeah. in 2015, I had to completely change that. I and think then, you um, should just update it, you know, and put it out and then, you know, put a timestamp of, uh, you know, uh, April 7th or whenever you get it out. And, uh, and you know, but when I uh, retrace your logic uh, behind um, your book, um, 
I, I, I can see it. You know what I mean? Like the time I followed the graph back to when you made those bets and I'm like, yep. Technic as a technical trader, I recognize and I'm like, wow, I wish I would have been paying attention to this at that yeah. time. <laughs> you know? We're both in the same boat on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just do it again for, you know, an updated version. That's it. Yeah. And, yeah I um, thought, I thought all the information was very, really, uh, very relative. I mean, I was, I mean, it, I thought it was pretty, pretty easy to understand, you know, but again, we, we do technical trading as well. So, um, you know, I thought it was really good personally. I did too. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, maybe we should differentiate real quick between that. So technical trading, uh, uh, is, you know, what, uh, to the listener, what Randall taught, uh, Daniel and I looking at the graphs, you know, uh, picking the right time like that. And then there's fundamental trading, which is looking into, um, uh, you know, the financials and, uh, making sure this company isn't, uh, worth uh, their <laughs> Yeah. 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 So what, what, what do you put a little more uh, pressure on or is it 50, 50 for you? Like in, as far as fundamentals and technical, um, yeah, yeah, I would say it's, yeah, I would say it's 50, 50. I try and yeah, someone taught me 15 years ago or so, I mean, great technical analyst and he said, but I always, I always try and match the two like technicals and fundamentals. So like what I cover in my service I mean, I do like a lot of macro technical work, but then with the smaller junior companies, I focus um, on uh, the fundamentals, obviously. But one thing about juniors, like I will say this, like it's pretty interesting because if you, for a Canadian audience or like Australian audience, if you're talking about juniors, like you, they think of, they think of that as like companies with under a 50 million market cap. Whereas if you're in mm -hmm. the U S you look at the GDXJ, a junior can be something that has like a 500 million or 700 million market ah, cap. So I just, okay. I just, yeah, yeah I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to clarify. So it really, I mean, a junior okay. could be something that has a 10 million market cap, but also something that has like a 900 million market cap. So. Okay. Is, so uh, just to, uh, just to clarify here, uh, Daniel and I, like if you can picture us as uh, uh, the two kids in the short bus licking the windows with the stickers on our helmets. Okay. The GDXJ <laughs> is an ETF. Uh, so like a stock that, that our listeners could buy that has a lot of these junior companies in it. Correct. Correct. But they're really on the larger side to be honest. Okay. Like, I'm and you're saying I'm they're not typically your uh, 50 uh, million. You're saying they could be as high as 700. Yeah. I, I, well, I think, I think a couple of companies in that index have like a billion market cap so it oh wow okay okay yeah it oh, doesn't wow. it doesn't and there, yeah there's and actually some companies that are in there are not um they're not really juniors uh mm. so one canadian guy called he, he did call the gdxj the senior juniors oh the senior junior okay well, which is interesting. so yeah. Yeah. i mean i'm you know i think i probably own a few things that are at the bottom of gdxj i'm trying to find there's nothing, I mean, I'm trying, one sweet spot is I look for companies that are maybe they have a market cap of a hundred or 200 million. And okay. I think they have the ingredients to like become a billion dollar company. So I, I like to look for the, what are the companies that are going to like go into the GDXJ eventually? Uh, okay. so it's a little, nice. okay. GDXJ itself is a little safer than what I do, right. but it's, I mean, it's fine for, you know, for people who are new to the sector, it's, it's fine to, follow but it is kind of a it's a little bit more safer and the companies are, right. are more established okay well i noticed jordan you had a really good approach i mean we kind of take this approach and you know in your book and you explaining you know you know 
see only putting a couple percent of your, your bankroll, um, you know, into those juniors and spreading them out. And, uh, you know, when they lose, you know, when they go kind of a 20% line and just kind of kicking out of it as your kind of stop loss, you know, on the companies as well. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have to, um, you have to have some kind of, um, bankroll management. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to have, I was going to say, yeah, stop loss, okay. for lack of a better word, because these stocks, you can, if you buy them at the wrong time, I mean, you can be down 40 or 50%. I mean, for example, people could have bought things last summer near the peak. And I mean, even like the, the high quality juniors that I like were down like 30 or 35%. So there's even stuff wow. with decent quality that was down 50%. Oh, okay. So that's wow, why yeah. people have to be people have to be careful because you can you can have a bad entry point and mm-hmm. if you're down if you if you lose 20% on a position there's greater odds it's going to become 40 50%. And then if that happens right. you could be down 60 or 70%. So you have people have that that is extremely important and preventing big losses because Sometimes you just investors who don't have a lot of experience, you know, they'll hold, they'll be down 70% on something thinking it's going to come back in five years or or two or three years. And it's, you know, maybe it will, but you're, you're so far down that it it, it needs to, you just, you need to what do three X or four X just to get back to even. Right. Yeah. No, we can't have that. We have, we have to cut our losses. Yeah. Okay. I like your formula a lot. You say that yeah. uh, you bet uh, 5% of your bankroll on uh, one of these uh, uh, companies, and then you set a stop loss at 20%. So the most you're going to lose on that bet is 1% of 1%, your total bankroll. Yeah. Um, it goes right in line with what uh, Randall taught us as far as day trading is you bet 10% of your roll on one bet, and you put the stop loss at 10%. So it's still wor- you're never going to lose more than one percent of your role right yeah it, it's it yeah i mean in in investing in this sector you do have to have more of a trading mindset now i'm you know yeah. i look at things as two-year holds maybe some are a three-year hold or some are a one-year hold but you really have to have a trading mindset to be successful unless you're just some whale and you're you're putting tons of <laughs> you're just putting tons of money in it doesn't matter you'll just wait three years and it you know it doesn't matter if it goes down 70 percent uh but if you if that's if unfortunately that's not you you have to have a trading mindset to to, to be successful especially it's professional for, gambling yeah no it really yeah. is it really yeah is. Yeah. No, exactly. I, I really, I thought, yeah, I think you're, you're, um, you know, just, you know, the whole book, I just a real kind of common sense approach to it. And I, I thought it was, I thought it was really a good way and a good way to go about it. You know, as having, you know, at least part of your portfolio or part of the trading that you do, you know, I thought it was really awesome. What, well, thank um, you. yeah, it is very, very good. Um, on, uh, okay. So the GDXJ, uh, that's the, we'll do air, air quotes here, uh, uh junior ones. <laughs> Uh, and then the uh, the GDX is that basically um, these juniors that are now established? I, w- I would say the GDXJ. The GDX is more the and, and it's unfortunate because there's numerous indexes for precious metals companies. Okay, uh, but G- yeah, GDX. I, there's something called the Huey, the HUI. Have you heard of that? No. Okay, no, so I the haven't. that that is an index that a lot of people would follow uh, before the ETFs came about. I think the Huey goes back to 1996. And um, so that is basically the unhedged 
largest gold producers. And what's interesting about the GDX is I like to say the GDX is basically the Huey plus royalty companies. So the GDX, they've snuck in these stronger royalty companies, but it is, I, I think, the biggest ETF. So I, that's what I like to follow. And then you have the GDXJ, which is kind of the more, the, you could say the more established, larger junior companies. I think, again, I think the biggest companies in that are around a billion market cap. So the, the bulk of that is are probably going to be 500 million to like 1.5, 1.3 billion in terms of market cap. And the GDXJ also has a little bit more, well, I should say it has some silver exposure. I think GDX, okay. GDX doesn't really have any, but GDXJ, I mean, I'd have to look at it in detail, but it does have, it definitely has some silver exposure in there. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Do they pay any kind of dividend or is this just like straight growth? Straight growth. Okay. Okay. If, yeah. If you want dividends, you got to go for the big caps like Newmont. And I think a few of those companies have actually raised uh, their dividends recently, but yeah, for the juniors, it's all about, it's all about growth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, looking at the technical chart right now of uh, GDX, um, hmm, I'm actually kind of liking it. Um, I feel like it could do this or it could go down to, it's at 33 bucks right now. It's kind of lining up pretty good with where it was uh, in June of last year. Do, do you agree or is this not something that sounds right? I would say as long as it holds 31, as long okay. as, as long as they can hold these recent lows. Cause I've been a little, I mean, they have corrected. They, they, I, I thought we were going to correct. They've corrected more than I've thought. And so I tend to be a little more cautious and conservative mm. than my colleagues, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little, a little disappointed at uh, how far the uh, correction went and we'll just have to see if, um, see if GDX can hold above 30 and 31 and if GDXJ can hold this recent low. Okay. So that's, yeah, that's one thing I'm watching. Okay. But either one of these in a, um, uh, as far as like a three to four year bet is probably going to be a winner, right? I think so. Yeah. But I will say this, like if they have a huge move in two or three years, they, in that, you know, they, they could give a lot of it back in the fourth year, just because historically, even during bull markets, you can have um, like a 60% decline. Like if you look at gold stocks did really well from 1957 to 1980, well, actually all the way to 1987, okay. but from 57 to 80, I mean, I think two times in there, you had like a 65% bear market. Yeah. So okay. that's, that's something people have to understand. Like, yes, they could make huge. That's why you say four. I mean, if you say five years, I would say yes, but there's probably going to be like a 50 or 60% bear market after the huge move. You got to mm. be willing to get out. Yes. You have, you have to going back to risk management. You have to trim things on the way up, you know, not sell the whole thing, but sell pieces as it gradually rises. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I want to hit on that. How, what is the uh, formula that you use for, uh, for trimming? And it's, uh, it's a lot of based on your prediction, right? If you think it's going to go to 300 or if it's going to go to like 100, 150% or. 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 one, if you have a balanced portfolio, then I would say if it's more than 10%. So if I'm doing a lot of five mm-hmm. or 6% positions and they grow to become 10%, then they start, uh, then I start trimming it. Trimming. So that's, yeah, that's one, one way you can do it. Another way, I mean, depending on the size of the company, yeah, if it goes up 150 or 200%, depending on where the sector is, you could sell a third. I mean, if it's something that's more aggressive, and if it's something smaller and it, and it goes up too much and it's not all fundamental based, you could sell a half. So it's, you really have to do what works for you. But I just generally say like sell a third or sell a half. The other thing is after, and you have to, you have to be constantly following, but if it does, you know, it makes such a huge move, but then it doesn't have as much upside like over mm. the next year or two. Like I did have a couple things recently, like in, January or February that I probably should have trimmed, but I didn't. So that's another thing. And, and they, cause I was thinking, Oh, well, these are not 10%. That's fine. I don't need to trim them. But then thinking back, well, these things didn't have, they made a huge move. So they don't have as much upside over the next year, or 18 months. I should probably trim them. Yeah. So you have to, the, the, that's how I look at it, but you know, people have to use that and figure out what works best for you. Yeah. Okay. And you cover a bit of that in the book. Um, so if anybody's, you know, interested as well, I mean, you cover a bit and you know, how you do that. It's, it's a, it's a portion of the book in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that, those are uh, in GDX, GDXJ or indexes um, uh, for mining companies and GLD. Is that uh, like an ETF that, um, they house the physical, like they physically have the gold, right? And then they break it down into smaller share prices and it essentially follows the price of gold. I, you know, I don't know if they, if it's one that like they may have claims on it or something. I'm not an expert in that. I know there's ETFs out there that actually are legitimately backed by gold. I don't think GLD is one of those. Oh, Mm. okay. Yeah, okay. I, I, I think there's other ones that are better in that regard. Really? Do you okay. know what they are? I think on silver, like PSLV is a real popular one. Uh, PSLV okay. is, this, is the symbol. Okay. Um, as far as I think one that I think does have the metal is CEF, Cat uh, Edward Frank. Mm-hmm. That uh, Now that is, I think it's like 50% silver and 50% gold. So it's not a, it's not like a pure, it's yeah, it has both in it. Huh? Okay. But wow. I, yeah, I, I must confess, I don't spend a lot of time on um, the metal ETFs and, and, you know, which has the gold and which doesn't, it's just not my expertise. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You're, you've got it niche down so good. Yeah. You really, yeah, you definitely have a niche, Jordan. Yeah, he yeah. knows exactly yes. his field. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is exactly what I do. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, there's other people that can speak to that yeah. on, you know, and then there's, I don't want to say conspiracy theories out there, but. <laughs> oh no. You know, then you'll hear, yeah. You, well, you'll just the hear crazy people, gold people. Yeah. You'll hear people talking about, GLD and it doesn't, you know, well, I read the prospectus. It doesn't actually, you know, have a claim on the gold. It doesn't have the gold. And so, you know, there's people who argue about that. Yeah. So, I know there's, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists, gold people out there, you know, so it's kind of gold. It's kind of funny, you know, cause you know, a lot of people have an opinion on it, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it's been interesting. I've only recently learned about it and uh, 
I've since got some uh, gold coins, the bullion. Um, what What are your thoughts on um, having, uh, you know, some percentage of your net worth, whatever that is, in bullion, and then, um, uh, you know, and what do you think of like uh, silver bars and stuff? I think you have to look at um, physical. That's what we call it in the industry. Yeah. Okay, but there we go. <laughs> if, you, if you just yeah, if you want the lingo, that's just one. Yeah, one thank word. you. Yes, <laughs> I do. This, yeah, I so, just put another sticker on my helmet right yeah, now. Yeah, lick it, Steve. Lick it. Physical. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So physical is I look at it as a form of financial insurance, honestly. So what it, like whatever you you know ten percent or five percent of your net worth. So think, consider it a financial insurance position. Okay. I don't look at it as something like that you're going to trade or sell. Okay. So that that's how I look at physical. But oh, it's, interesting. It's, yeah, okay. silver. I mean, the problem with silver is like it's so uh, heavy. <laughs> well, it's like to 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 have a lot of it. Yeah. You know, like if you're going to put even just like $10,000 in silver. I mean, that's like a shitload of bars compared it's to gold. So heavy. Yeah, compared, it's so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> com- I know I have a to, box. Yeah, it's co- like, compared yeah, I don't to, like picking it up. <laughs> yeah. Compared to, compared to gold. And then you just, yeah. you know, you just have like one, you know, you just have a couple bars. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I, I think it's like silver coin. Like if you really want to go down the rabbit hole and you think you're going <laughs> to, you're going to be, we're going to be using, physical as a form of uh legal tender then i would get like silver coins yeah. I, I guess what i'm asking is like do you think that uh as uh, I, I was looking at the bullion until you mentioned that right now i never thought of just keeping it forever uh but uh, i was looking at it as like a 10-year a bet you know for the for the bullion is that uh, a 10-year a i mean i yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you I, want I, to trade it in at some point and make some money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was looking at it for. Well, I mean, you you can do that as long as you if you have a place to store it and all that. Okay. Yeah, that's one thing with the physical uh, uh, gold is you know. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Thank you, Jordan, for clarifying that because it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) No, I know. I got a bunch of silver and I'm like, oh God, I got to open this goddamn box again. (laughs) It's worth twice what you paid for it though. Well done. Yeah, Yeah, it's so heavy. My God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right on. Um, Okay. uh, As far as um, uh, picking your junior uh, mining companies, uh, you gave a really neat graph in your book. Um, I'm going to try to describe it here. It's, it's kind of like two waves where the second wave goes a little bit higher than the, uh, than the first wave. And um, it, it sounds like what, what you've um, studied and, and uh, you know, become good at is the timing both of those. Do you like tri- ideally in, a, in an ideal world, if you pick this thing before the first wave, um, do you trim like half of it or something on the first one and then re-enter again on the on the second down? Well, I will say this. Not every junior perfectly follows that. I think it's called that you're referring to the life cycle of a junior minor. Yes. Chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not every company will fit that life cycle. Um, but generally, the if we're talking about the life cycle, the two times you want to buy are 
um, in the months leading up to first production. So when they're towards mm-hmm. the end, it, in the middle or towards the end of the construction of the mine period. Yeah. And so that's one, one time. And then the other time is if, if it's a company making a discovery and they're growing that discovery. I mean, it's good. Like I liken it to like your surfer and you're riding the wave, like you're trying to get on the wave early enough where there's still quite a bit of growth potential. And yeah. I mean, there's no, like that can, you know, that entire wave of them drilling out and working on the discovery. I mean, that could be like one year in some cases, it could be five years. Oh, so wow. there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of variation there, but you, you want to like, what I try and do and that you know, with respect to exploration companies is to, to kind of quantify it. Cause I like numbers. Mm-hmm. I try and find if they have like, let's say they have a million ounces already or close to it. It looks pretty good. And I think there's potential to get to like 3 million or 4 million ounces. You know, that's kind of the, how, how I want to play it. I want to look for things where they have a little bit of something so far. So, you know, there's a defined value and backstop there, but at the same time, you know, there is quite a bit of growth potential because if you're looking at in a lot of, you know, a lot of these companies, a lot of these juniors, I mean, there's, there's many that, you know, they're just starting up and, and they're really, you know, they're five or 10 cents and they're just coming to the market. They don't really have anything. I mean, then those are, I mean, those are a lot, a lot more risky because they obviously, they don't have anything really backstopping the company there. Yeah. Nothing to give you some momentum, I guess, you know, when you're saying, Hey, they got some ounces here, like, you know, right in the wave here a little, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah. There's, I mean, they haven't, they haven't found the wave yet, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Okay. When you, um, in your book, you talk about, um, things you look for, uh, in, um, um, in finding these companies, you talk about capital structures, management, uh, projects, uh, having the right jurisdiction, um, insider and institutional ownership, uh, value and, uh, um, can you kind of give a brief summary of that? Like, how did you even, find out did you learn these in school and uh you've kind of perfected them or like where do you go no (laughs) although it would have been it would have been cool and interesting to go to like a real mining school like colorado school of the mines (laughs) (laughs) you know you know they actually they actually they actually have a they actually have a football team oh wow what yeah they do so they have it's awesome they have an athletics program they call the miners Probably, <laughs> but no. U- UTEP, Texas El Paso. They're they're the miners, I think. Oh, oh that's, that would have been um, hilarious. They got to be the frogs. What's so, look, yeah, look at out? it. Oh, just through trial and error and experience. I mean, I I didn't know anything in like 2005, 2006, and that's the other thing. You know, we have to put our ego aside, and I mean, you probably you guys know this in trading. It just the market is always right. You know that. The, the market is the market. So when, you know, when you're making money and doing really well, like never confuse a bull market with brains. Yeah. <laughs> so especially in this sector, like you think you're, you th- you, well, you think you're such a it's genius. True. You yeah. think you're such a genius, like making three X and five X on these juniors. And then, you know, suddenly there's like a 50% correction. It's, yeah. you know, you, you have to just understand, you know, and you can do really what, like it's, it's a bull market. I mean, that's how you make money it's from riding the trend but anyway so that i mean that's a big thing i learned but getting back to the criteria 
Yeah, it's just something I learned over time. And so looking at, like, if we're looking at a producer, like, I want to see management where they've built a mine before. So okay. that help that helps a lot. Like, if they have... You yeah, know, if, he's, if he's done it, he has, yeah. he has not a like it's card. just a good idea to start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, not, he's not gold rush. Uh, <laughs> hey, yo, I got a shovel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that, that helps a lot when guys have done it before and then they're setting out to do the same thing again. I really like that. And then as far as like the insider ownership, that's probably a bigger deal with smaller juniors that – don't have that long of a history uh, because when they get bigger and they raise money a lot, they're ready to produce a serious mine and they're in the GDXJ. I mean, the, the management guys will have been, you know, their ownership is going to be diluted down. So it's, mm. it's, it's, it's a bigger, it, it, it's, it's proportionally inverse to, you know, we can say like the age or how established the company is. So like if they're a, a tiny company that's, near the beginning of their life cycle. You want to see more management ownership. However, this is interesting because there's all these different points. Mm-hmm. You know, they could own a lot of it, but that's because they loaded themselves up with cheap stock. Yeah. You know? uh, so, so that's yeah. also how they can yeah. own a lot. So um, it's not all black and white. But yeah, it, institutional ownership, that's also important. Like you want to see, I mean, there's, there's, there's big guy, you know, there's big names in the sector who – invest in other companies and so i mean that's a good sign to see someone like that invested so like i want to see you want to see the retail float um generally be like 50 percent at the most um so then then you have uh you know 50 percent of the stock is like insiders management or institutions and and i mean these aren't these aren't hard rules these are just general rules and then the thing with share structure is so these companies don't make money for the for the most part and so they sell more shares that's how they raise capital and so a lot of these companies will have bloated share structures and in these financings they offer warrants so that can also be an issue where i mean maybe a company has like 150 million shares out but they have 220 million warrants out and then uh, you know, the warrants are acting as like a cap on the stock in some mm. cases. So that, that's, um, that's, that's important. And in getting back to, like I said, you know, these rules aren't all hard rules. I mean, there's some companies that they have messed up share structures, but that's because it's taken them a few years to you get to a point where they really have developed something that's really valuable. So you can't rule out I, I don't know if this is contrary to what I wrote, but you can't always rule out a company if it just has a bad share structure. It's just kind of a general rule because a lot of companies mm-hmm. that actually have nice, clean share structures, yeah. they're relatively early in their life mm-hmm. and they haven't, you know, they haven't know. really defined yeah. uh, that, uh, you know, they haven't, they haven't defined something of real value. Yeah. They, so, they, you haven't get, gotten to see any, um, any history. Yeah. But, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. Why that that favors a little uh, fundamentals there, because uh, you don't have the technical side yeah. of it. You, one you mentioned in uh, one of your free reports was um, uh, Rio Two, as far as a company that um, you know. And, and these are high risk, uh, uh, but also high reward 
um, you know, it could go five or, or, or 10 uh, X. Um, when I looked it up, uh, some of the stocks I buy are on uh, Vanguard. And I was trying to find the ticker for it. And it was like, there was a couple of different ones. Um, where, where, what exchange are you using to get some of these uh, junior minor co- mining companies? They trade uh, on the pink sheets or over the counter in the U.S., and uh, but they trade the most volume in Canada. So the TSX Venture, yeah. I mean the regular TSX or the TSX Venture. So yeah, you really need to uh, have a if, if it, it. I mean, you can still buy them, you know, with with a Meritrade or a regular U.S. account, yeah, like or Fidelity over, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, over the counter. But if you're really like, if you really want the best liquidity. It's best to yeah yeah use actually fidelity or interactive brokers where you can trade. I mean, you can buy and sell them direct from Canada or I mean in Australia because there's also that's yeah. an, another junior market. And so not all those companies will have a U.S. listing, even one on the on the pink sheets or the OTC. You know, with the but yes, a lot of them have five in the U.S. They have five uh, letter symbols. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I tried to look them up and I ended up getting, uh, for Rio two, I ended up getting, and the report is really cool. Uh, when you guys go to his website, uh, the daily gold, um, you know, look it up. It's six, six, uh, pages of, uh, Jordan basically breaking down, uh, this, uh, small, uh, junior minor co- mining company. And, um, so anyways, the, the tickers, uh, I've got were like R I O period V and then R-I-O-F-F. But they both have different timescales. Like one's been around a long time and the other one um, looks relatively new. Well, the, yeah, the Rio.V, I think that, so that, yeah, the V stands for um, the TSX Venture. Oh, okay. Like if you're, if you, yeah, if you're looking it up on like stockcharts.com or I think Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that symbol works on there. I, I think you know the former iteration of the company. I think its symbol was, um, I think it had the same symbol. So that could, if you're look, I mean Rio two two, I think came about. I want to say 2017 ish. So all the all the stuff on the chart there pre 2017. That's a that's a different company. Ah, okay. And then now it's using the same ticker for a new one. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Right on. <clears throat> cool. Um, what else did I uh, want to ask you about? Yeah. So, um, well, Jordan, I just had a quick question for you, just for listeners out there, because um, it, it, it seemed to kind of get the gist from the book and everything. I thought it was good that um, that you seem to think um, just the valuation on gold, that it was, a, you know, it was a good time to buy gold, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And for other people out there listening, um, you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, you know, just just the average Joe guy, you know, like wanting to buy some gold, you know, just recommendation. Well, I think if they, I think they should get a lot of education on it. Yeah. First um, one. I mean, one thing I will say to like, just dumb it down for everyone. Cause like, I've been thinking about this. Like if you look at, we, we are like, close to or approaching one of the worst times that you could buy stocks or bonds. Thank and you. That right. sounds, Thank you for saying yes, that. Thank you. <laughs> and that, I know that sounds really dramatic, but yeah. Um, if you look at what's interesting to me is if you're looking on a 12 or 13 year basis, 
if you go back to, so you have 1929 to 1942, and then you have 1969 to 1982, the 1969 or 1968 to 82, in terms of a 60-40 portfolio, mm-hmm. that was worse than the Great Depression. Okay, so, I heard you say that. What, what is the 60-40 uh, portfolio? That was one of my questions. Uh, 60% stocks, 40% bonds bonds okay okay Okay. just the traditional yeah right portfolio that you know the financial industry stuffs everyone into basically i knew it was that or it was the other way around i wasn't sure if bonds was 60 and and anyways okay thank you and the the trigger for that in the late 60s was the rate of inflation broke higher it broke out of so the cpi it had like a mini breakout in 1965 and then the late 68 or early 69, it broke out from, I think it was a 15-year breakout. Um, so, I mean, you can also chart economic statistics, by the way. Um, but so, so the CPI, it's obviously flawed. It's a, la- you know, economic data is a lagging indicator. But my point is, when the rate of inflation broke out to like a new mm-hmm. multi-decade high at the very end of the 1960s, that was the trigger for higher inflation, the market recognizing it, and your conventional investments just being a dumpster fire for people over the next decade plus a few years. I would say it again, the 68 to 82 period, it was worse for the conventional portfolio than 1929 to 1942. And, wow. you know, people are wondering, you know, here and now people are wondering, you know, well, you know, what's going to happen? Uh, you know, are we going to be able to print money forever? And, you know, the stock market's always going to go up, you know, time in the market, blah, blah, blah. The looking at the CPI, it's, it's been in like a 30 or downtrend since 1990. And so I'm thinking when we and see CPI that. CPI is inflation. Right. The, the consumer. Consumer, consumer price index. Yeah. And there are, by the way, there are, I don't know if you've heard of shadow stats, but there is a guy who he tracks stats, like the way the government calculated them like 50 years ago before they started screwing around with the numbers to make them look better. <laughs> and I mean, the, the curves in a lot of his data are similar, like the trend in the curves and the CPI and other data points, like they're similar to the stati- you know, the CPI and the other normal statistics so it's really, it's really the direction that, that things are moving in. That's my point. But the CPI, if you go back to 1990, it's kind of been trending down for third. I mean, you can draw a line down in the CPI since 1990. It's hit it a couple of, you know, I think it went above it in 2008 briefly. But my point is, if we, if we see the CPI, you know, breaking above 3%, getting to 4%, I think that's going to be a similar trigger as what we saw in 1969 because in other words you i mean higher inflation you start out and you get a little inflation right it's, it's still yeah. you know okay but once it yeah. starts moving higher and people recognize that i mean it's bad for businesses right it's bad for consumers yep. uh and and it it's just and it's it's a terrible environment for stocks I mean, you have people out there see here's the thing stocks disinflation which is inflation but the long-term trend is going down that is good for stocks that's really bad for gold it's good for stocks that's what we've had for a really long time however when you start to see rising inflation and we break out of that 30-year downtrend and we get three four percent cpi that's going to be 
look, I mean, we're going to, the, the, the Fed is going to have to do yield curve control. They're not going to be able to let uh, long-term interest rates rise. They're going to have to cap those like they did in the 1940s because there's too much debt out there. And that's when we're going to see the stock market really struggle. You'll see inflation rise and you're going to see like gold and other hard assets like really explode. As far as the timing on that, you know, I don't know, but I'd say in the next couple of years, that'd be my guess. You know, it might, it might be in six months. It might be in two or three years. I don't know, but it's, it's definitely coming. And that, because it's important for people to understand the fundamental macro picture. And because if you understand that you can get a sense of how and why things are moving. And I know that people say, well, the why doesn't really matter, but I mean, I think it's nice to at least for traders to at least have some knowledge and have a, a, fundamental macro idea of what's going on and why these markets might move uh, in a certain direction. Yeah. It, uh, your book covered that really well, Jordan, um, you know, talking about those kind of, uh, you know, um, you know, inverse relationships and, you know, you know, stocks and, you know, gold. And I thought it was explained really well. I mean, I understood it, it was pretty easy to understand. So, um, but you know, my question, I got a question for you. Um, I mean, do you, do you, you do gold, you do silver, do you do other, uh, you know, precious metals as well? Um, no, I do. Um, I, I do have a, a ser- service, which uh, is for private placements. So that's even yeah. like to use a baseball analogy yeah. in the, in my portfolio, in the regular service, I'm looking for home runs, but the private placement service, I'm looking for grand slams. And yes. we do, we did, we did invest in a rare earths company. So that's one uh, kind of opaque industry. That's part of commodities that uh, we did invest in, in that service. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I think other, I think other commodities um, are going to do really well as well. I mean, it's interesting yeah. because usually gold moves first and then you see silver and then you see the other commodities. And that's at least what's happened since uh, the COVID crash last March, where you had, you know, gold move first, silver follow. Now all these other commodities have been doing really well while gold has been correcting. So, we- yeah, Daniel and I have uh, we've been buying um, oil since the crash of COVID. What what um, do you like oil? Do you like uh, what other commodities do you like? The interesting thing about oil, I, I I at some point in the last year, like I saw some charts on that that pointed out. I think like energy stocks relative to the S and P were like the cheapest they were. Yeah. I want to say in like a hundred years. Yeah, they were. Yeah, oh, they were. Yeah, okay, pretty close. Um, yeah, so I. I yeah, I remember seeing some data on that. And I mean, it's interesting because in t- like 2015, the gold stocks were the, basically the cheapest in like at least 100 years. I mean, I could like you've seen it in the book. Like I, I, it's hard to find data going back that far. But like everything I was looking at, I was thinking to myself, geez, like the, the, this is the cheapest the sector has ever been. Yeah, you were saying the valuation on the valuation in the book, the uh, valuation on the gold was was just really good. So at this point in time, yeah. Even and one thing I like doing with charting is like I compare. You guys probably do this as traders, but I compare how one sector is doing to another. And I mean, just look at the gold to the S and P, or even the GDX to the S and P charts. I mean, in the last article I wrote, like this, the bull market has barely even started yet. Yeah, I mean, that's, if you look yeah, at yeah. if you look at those ratios, I mean, they're setting up for a huge move higher as far as 
gold and gold stocks relative to the stock market. Now it's not imminent. It's, you know, it's probably not, it may not start this year, but that's, I mean, when you see those ratios break to seven or eight year highs, I mean, that's going to reflect capital starting to move out of the stock market and into gold and other hard assets. And so it hasn't, I mean, it, like the, 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 looking at that, I mean, it, the bull market has barely even started. Yeah. And yeah. I noticed you also said we had a little, and I saw the charts and everything as well. We had this little, I think it was, don't quote me exactly. It was like 2018 or maybe 16, 18. You had a, you, it looked like it was kind of creeping up and then, you know, it didn't quite do the bull market thing. So we're still in line um, according to your dad and everything. And you talk about in your book um, that we're, we're in alignment for a coming bull market in gold, basically just for our listeners to, to know. Yeah. I mean, it's been the last like four years has been interesting because we've had obviously gold, it bottomed, it made a new high. I mean, it's in my opinion, I mean, the chart pattern is super bullish. It's just, it, it has a huge cup and handle pattern and it's yeah. built, it's building the handle right now. And the fact that gold, the fact that the, the, the right side of the cup was higher that it was able to get to almost 2100 versus the, 2011 high at 1900. I mean, the fact that that happened is a signal of more strength. And now it's just building the handle off that pattern. And in, in my opinion, will eventually explode out of that. Um, but it's just been interesting the last four years since the 2016 low, because you haven't, it's like you've had moves in like bits and pieces. Yeah. So it's just found resistance, I guess, from a trading perspective or, uh, you know, like it's just, it's found, it keeps finding some resistance and hasn't busted through a moving average yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and, it, and so, yeah, it's been, and, and so like reflecting that back to like the riskier stock. So it's been tough for them because there hasn't been like a full like year or two year run where like it's gone. It's really trended strongly without much interruption. Right. And so I, I think the next move, we're probably going to see something more like that versus yeah. what we've had, which has kind of been, yeah, gold's done well. It's it doubled in four years, but it's kind of been a choppy. Yeah, choppy way a, there. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. has been pretty choppy. And so if you look at the charts of a lot of these junior companies, like it, the whole the whole industry has not had a huge amount of success, even though you know gold has made a huge move higher and silver has made a decent move. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, moving averages do you look at in gold and, and what time frames? I, you, you mentioned 200 and 400 in your, uh, uh, in your book. What, uh, do you look at that on a weekly or monthly or do you put those moving averages on all timetables? Daily. Daily? Is I mean, daily well. Yeah. For short-term trading, I would, I would just use the 20-day and the 50-day. Okay. Got it. And so for Got more it. general trend, I like using the 200-day uh, and the 400-day. I actually did a, a study um, I, there's an international master's program for technical analysis. So I, to get oh, wow. that designation, I wrote a paper on the 400 day moving average. So I looked at a study and I studied various markets and that's actually a better sell signal than anything else. Interesting. If for gold or do yeah. you find that Just, for it, all it, these? I'd have to go back and look at the data, but I was looking at gold, oil, um, and various stock markets over the last uh, 50, 60 years that, yeah, it turned out. And so and I, I think I was looking at monthly data uh, because there would have been too many signals. So on a monthly chart, it's the, I think that's equivalent to the 20 month. So on a monthly chart, I like looking at the 20 month and the 40 month, but that's a really long period. But 
Yeah. And so on the weekly, I, I look at whatever is the equivalent to 200 day and 400 day. You know, you could use like a, a 42 day or a 50 day or an 80 day or a week, I should say. Uh, but yeah, 200 day and 400 day. That's kind of my bread and butter. Okay. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. No, that's cool. Very cool. Interesting. Yeah. I'm curious to um, translate those across some of the other stocks that Daniel and I have invested in and see, because there's, there's random things that don't seem to like uh, uh, follow each other or seems like they should follow each other. Uh, but they, but they do, you know, like we found a correlation between um, uh, banks and uh, what sector was it, Daniel? Uh, was it energy? It energy was, uh, sector, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was kind of strange. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to try that one. That's, that's kind of cool. Um, I got uh, one, one more question on um, uh, bonds. So we got uh, bond uh, prices and interest rates and yields. Can you kind of do a quick one-on-one on that and its relation to, to gold? Okay, well, the, the fundamental driver for gold is real interest rates. And so gold is inversely correlated. because, And so we have to think of gold as money because it has been for 5,000 years because it was the best form of money. It fit all the properties of money. So that's like a way back history on gold. And so it moves based on real interest rates. And so think about it like this. If you, if you, if it, if you can get you know, 6% on your money in the bank, and there's only like two or 3% inflation, you're earning a real return on your money. So in that environment, like we had for most of the eighties and nineties, you know, gold is worthless or it's not really moving. And so that's basically, so the, based on that, the driver of gold going higher is you either have aggressive rate cuts, falling interest rates or accelerating inflation. So moving forward, it's probably going to have to be accelerating inflation. But recently, in recent years, it has moved more so on the rate cuts or the falling interest rates. And so it, when inflation statistically is pretty low and not moving, um, yeah. it's going to be, you know, the moves in nominal rates and yields are going to play a bigger role. And so the reason why gold has sold off is because it made a huge move based on the Fed cut rates so uh, around the world, you know, bond yields were going lower. You had some went negative. So you had zero rates and, you know, you, you, you know, weirdly enough, you didn't really have fears of inflation, maybe a little bit, but, you know, rates were mm. low. They were not moving higher. So that's why capital moved into gold. So even and, and the reason why capital is moving to other uh, places now is because you've seen a reversal of that trade. And so even though like in the very big picture, it's positive for gold, like this reflation, higher inflation expectations. Yes, that's good for gold. But the problem is bond yields have risen. uh, They've risen so much recently that real interest rates have not declined. And so Mm. gold needs real interest rates to decline. So Real uh, bond yields have risen, at least in the last eight months or so. They've risen more so than, I guess, fears of inflation, or they've risen more so than the statistics of inflation. So that has pushed. I know real interest rates, have they haven't gone up that. I mean, they've only gone up a little bit, but I think the market is kind of discounting. It thinks real interest rates are going to move higher, at least in the short term. So when you're in an environment where inflation isn't really 
accelerating or fear, you know, inflation expectations haven't really accelerated yet. In that environment, when you see higher yields, that is going to hurt gold a little bit. But at some mm. point, at, if, if yields keep moving higher, at some point, it's going to be bullish for gold because inflation expectations will at some point accelerate. And also given the debt that we have, the Federal Reserve is going to come in and say, well, we need to cap these yields like we did in the 1940s because there's, there's just too much debt. You know, we too can't, much debt out there. Yeah, right? we can't, yeah. you know, we can't have bond yields at, yeah. you know, three, four, five percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so, and what people have to look out for is if we do have, you know, gold, it will still do well with accelerating inflation. I mean, because this happened in the 1970s. And so the, the mainstream people who don't like gold, what they will say when the Fed starts hiking, they'll say, that's it for gold. You know, the Fed's hiking, gold's done. However, that we know that the Fed is only going to hike rates when inflation really starts to accelerate. So we see inflation get to 3%. You know, they'll talk about we're probably going to start hiking soon. It's three and a half, four percent They do a few hikes. I mean, that they're hiking. The, the rate of when inflation increases, which I think it will, it's going to increase faster than the Fed will, mm. will do its rate hikes. And, and so yeah. that's, what, that's right. what happened in the 70s. So that's, that's, what people kind of, have, yeah. that's what people have to look out for fundamentally because the knee-jerk reaction for mainstream financial people will be, the Fed's going to hike rates, you know, gold is done. But no, that that's not going to be the case. Yeah, I agree. I think well, I think you make a really solid case about all this, and uh, I mean, I'm pretty privy to getting some more gold myself. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, this has been awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah, um, yeah. So you can check out uh, Jordan's um, uh, website, The Daily Gold, and you have a um, uh, you have a subscription uh, for uh, six months, basically inside access to you. Uh, vetting a lot of these uh, companies, correct? Correct. And I also I have a free newsletter there, which you can get. So I oh, I've already yeah, signed up for it. Yeah, oh. we're already we're already on that, Jordan. Oh. Man, we got yeah, it. yeah. We we've read your book. We got <laughs> you. <laughs> oh, we got you. Been thirty six hours. We're in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so we're gonna put a link out as well, Steve, uh, for him as well, and um, yeah, see if uh, you know if he's interested and in, uh, you know getting learning more and especially about these junior companies, very interesting stuff. So it I, is. I yeah, yeah. It, uh, I'm fascinated by that. I think yeah. uh, I could uh, go down a rabbit hole here and uh, just enjoy the shit out of myself but, yeah uh, pretty cool pretty cool yeah thank you jordan yeah um, appreciate it hey, jordan yeah there, thanks again yeah, yeah re- my pleasure i really enjoyed it so did we yeah <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna have to have you on again bit. if you don't mind man we gotta break down some more you just gotta you have a lot of information man <laughs> oh my god yeah i think i have more questions now than answers yeah i, I got more questions than answers man <laughs> well if, i mean if, if you want if you i'm still here so if you have one or two more <laughs> no, I, uh, I don't know. If you're, you I, need to, I need to do yeah. research and gather oh. my thoughts. And, yeah, we, uh, we were joking we, yeah. before that uh, maybe you'll be our resident gold expert. We'll bring you on every uh, little bit and get your uh, get your opinion. Yeah, no, I, I'd I'd be happy happy right to come on. on anytime. Thank you, sir. Wow, that was a lot of info. I think Jordan has probably forgotten more about gold than uh, Daniel and I know. Uh, I'm recording this a couple of days after uh, we had uh, Jordan on. wanted to give you guys a little update. Um, Oh, before I forget, uh, Alex and Dan have signed up for Randall's um, 
uh, options trading course. Uh, so excited about that. Alex is going way through the program and Dan is going to go through it with his uh, son. Um, so that's a pretty neat uh, father-son uh, project there <laughs> to start trading options. Pretty neat. Be sure to check out Jordan's number one stock pick. Uh, it's a company called Rio2. He puts out a quick, easy to read. It's a little six-page um, summary of it and why he believes that it's going to be a great uh, investment for a junior gold mining company. Um, the president and CEO is Alex Black. And after I read Jordan's report, I figured it was worth a uh, throwing a dart at the dartboard, and it hit. Uh, Alex Black is going to come on the show uh, two weeks from now. So um, we will have a president and CEO of a junior gold mining company. We can pick his brain and uh, just find out what um, find out more about gold. Uh, talk to a gold miner. If you guys have any questions for him, be sure to hit me up, stevebartonmoney at gmail.com, and we will ask him. Um, let's see. The company, you guys can look it up yourself, is uh, rio2.com, so that's uh, R-I-O, the number two, dot com, and uh, you can see, look into their, uh, all their details and everything. They're about two years from actually being able to mine the gold. Uh, but they're getting all set up, they're getting water out there, and um, yeah, it's kind of neat, pretty exciting. Um, oh, uh, another thing uh, is uh, all this talk about gold. When you guys go to buy gold, if you're going to buy some, uh, stick to one ounce and above. If you start buying it in grams, um, the... Uh, uh, the spread is pretty high. So the spread is basically what the coin dealer or the website is going to uh, charge you uh, to purchase it. But the bigger amounts that you get it in, the lower the spread is. So if this were poker, it would be the rake or the vig. Um, but in gold, we call that spread. Uh, so there's three types of uh, gold coins that you want to stick to. They come in one ounce uh, varieties. Um, you want to stick to the South African Cougaran. Um, the American Liberty, or the Canadian Maple Leaf. And the reason we want to stick to those three is because when you go to turn these in five or ten years from now, um, they're very easily identifiable. Any coin dealer is going to instantly be able to look at that, know that it's real gold, not have to, um, you know... If you go and start buying these little bars and stuff from obscure mints... Uh, you could run into trouble and, and the ease of transaction is going to be uh, either not there or more difficult. But if you stick to these three, you can be very certain uh, that when you go to turn these in uh, years later, it's um, everything's going to be on the up and up. I would avoid buying silver in one ounce uh, varieties. Uh, I would stick to uh, bigger bars. Um, you know, I got a hundred ounce uh uh, a bar of silver as uh, to be able to play a little bit of that game. What we can also do is we can play the um, the stock game with gold and silver. So like we did uh, with our Roth IRA buying GLD, <clears throat> we can play the gold market that way as well. That way you don't have to physically store this stuff. Um, but I think it is good to have a certain amount of your portfolio in, uh, in physical gold. Um, the one that I recommended for... I've since learned the the one that uh, I recommended for the Roth IRA, the GLD uh, ticker, that apparently is paper gold. So it's 
they do have physical gold, but you can't access it. Okay, uh, so essentially they're trading gold futures, paper gold. Um, there are other companies, and Daniel and I will go on and talk about uh, some more of them. Uh, I'll give you a couple of them right now. One is uh, CEF, uh, Charlie Echo Foxtrot, which is what uh, Jordan was talking about. There's another one called OUNZ, and both of these companies trade in physical gold, so you can buy stock in this company and then sell stock in the company. And if you really wanted to, you could call them up and get a physical ounce or however many you wanted mailed to you. Now, I don't recommend doing that because there's uh, some tax implications and I'm sure that you could go down to your local coin store and pay an ounce for an ounce of gold that's a lot cheaper than having them go through converting stock for you into physical gold and then mailing it to you. But the point is that you can do it. And there has been a point in history in early, uh, well, it was right around when the coronavirus hit, uh, gold uh, went up pretty quick. And these physical gold companies were trading for about $80 more per ounce than the GLD was, than the paper uh, stock companies. So if there comes a time when gold is going up and, um, you know, skyrocketing in value then these companies that uh, trade in physical gold are going to be worth more than the ones that aren't. So I'm really questioning that uh, recommendation about, you know, the 7.5% of your Roth IRA should be in gold, and I recommended the GLD. I'm starting to think that maybe you should split that 7.5% between CEF and OUNZ, because we want to be in physical gold, not in paper. So I'm in the process of making that transition myself, and I'd recommend you do the same. Okay. Um, okay, so there's that. Uh, don't buy less than one ounce of physical gold. Uh, the rake is just too high. Stick to the South African Krugerrand, American Liberty, and Canadian Maple Leafs. Uh, please rate and review the podcast. Uh, that'll move us up higher on the list and uh, keep this train running. So um, thank you for listening. Thank you for telling a friend. And thank you for tuning in. Here is your weekly motivational speech here's the deal if you get to the top of the tree all the fruit from the bottom at the top is going to be there son so i don't need you focusing on cars and money and stuff you're going to get that i need you to focus on why you were born in the first place why are you here on earth for this particular time what are you doing here you need to tell you that you owe you something I don't want nothing from you but for you to leave this room and know what you want. What do you want in your marriage? What do you want with your son and your daughter? What do you want in your health? What do you want financially? Like, how much money do you want to make a year? What do you want to drive? How do you want to live? Stop just waking up like an accident. What do you want? And then once you find out what you want, spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. The reason why I speak with so much passion E.T., why do you speak with so, uh, so much authority? Because I'm talking about my life, not something that I read. I ate out of trash cans. You ain't got to start with the two-parent background. You ain't got to start with wealth. You ain't got to start with your parents graduated. It's not the hand that you dealt. You got rich kids who own drugs. 
You got rich kids who committed suicide. You got rich kids who, who don't know their purpose in life. It's not the hand that you was dealt, baby. It's how you play your hand. Every opportunity is the last opportunity. Every opportunity, I have to reprove myself again. Every opportunity, I'm still nervous. E.T., you've been doing this for years. Why are you so nervous? Because the day you become content, the day you stop evaluating yourself, the day you stop growing, the day you stop getting better is the day you die. Is the day the person who's trying to catch you will get you. And I ain't where I want to be. And I'm like, God, I ain't where I want to be. And he was like, you stop being a victim. I said, what you mean a victim? Well, it ain't my fault my mom got pregnant at 17. It ain't my fault my daddy wasn't there. It ain't my fault they couldn't get along. It ain't my fault. He said, boy, you, you grown. You ain't 10 no more. You, you, the decisions you make right now is up to you. You crying about something that happened to you when you was a kid. You ain't even no kid no more. You a grown man. Take full ownership. The stupid stuff you doing, your parents didn't make you play no video games. What you crying about? So what your daddy wasn't there? Your mama ended up getting married. What you crying about? He went to work every day. He never beat you. He never abused you. Your mama did the best she knew how to do. What you crying about? You grew up in a house. What you crying about?